Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Prep Podcast, a community for crisis and emergency management communications professionals. On this channel, we will meet with experts in the field to talk about the challenges, benefits, and signs behind the crisis communication industry, with the goal of strengthening the community and raising the bar in readiness. New episodes are coming soon. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast today. And remember, preparedness saves lives. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Prep Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Katie Robertson, your host. And today I am fortunate enough to welcome Dave Brand. He's the Director of Community and Protective Services and Emergency Management at the County of Red Deer. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, that is. Yeah, Red awesome. Deer County, we, we like to call it. So. Red Deer County. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you making time. And um, I guess we'll just get right into it. Did you want to tell everybody, our listeners, a little bit about what your role entails um, in as the Director of Emergency Management? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for having me. It's uh, nice to be able to connect, albeit uh, virtually, to do this. But uh, that's the world we live in these days. And and uh, we're getting a lot better at it, I think. So, um, my so my role, community and protective services. It's a fairly it's a fairly broad one because it encompasses the community services side. So, FCSS and recreation, uh, seniors, cemeteries, transit, libraries, uh, are all things that fall under that portfolio. And then on on the flip side of of what's typically considered those are all considered those nice soft skills uh, in in the community is the protective services side with, with our first responder personalities. So the fire department, our community peace officers, uh, liaison with law enforcement. And then of course, emergency management, uh, falls under that. So I'm also the director of emergency management, uh, taking care of disaster preparedness and mitigation. And then of course, response, everybody always focuses on response and the recovery portion as well. Awesome. Wow. So have you guys had to um, deal with any major responses recently outside of the pandemic? Because of course, that's something everyone's had to respond to. Yeah, the pandemic's been a big response. And, and um, you know, interestingly, there were a number of, of us municipalities, including ourselves this spring, who were dealing with the potential for flooding uh, or active flooding. And uh, we know that was throughout the province of Alberta with the, the rapid snow melt. And so that was... Uh, we were just learning about the pandemic and we were just in those first initial phases of, of learning what the new regulations and the new restrictions were. And then we were talking about evacuating communities and, and how to house people. And so it was a real learn on the fly. Um, we had a lot of overland flooding again this year in 2020. We had it back in 2018 as well. And so the pandemic definitely changes the way in which we can react to what were conventional uh, disaster or emergency management situations. Mm-hmm. So that's been different. But then, of course, we, we, we tend to have a few. We have severe weather events that come both, well, in, in all four Alberta seasons. Uh, yep. <laughs> if you can day. say that there's four. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and sometimes we get the fourth one in the middle of July. Uh, but, you know, severe weather, whether it's summer or winter weather. And, and then, of course, we have large transportation corridors going through our municipality as well. So both, both highway, uh, highway traffic travel and then rail travel. Uh, which can which can and do sometimes lead to to deployments for us and and things that we have to be cognizant of and how we protect all the values that are around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you know that's something that ha- we've been talking a little bit about here at the institute in terms of concurrent um, emergencies and response. Ha- have you found that 
challenging or was it something that you think that you know you and your team were up to the task for or I, I know you said there were some things that you learned so maybe if you wanted to touch a little bit about what it is that you learned yeah it's it's always difficult because as we go through these things and we're learning on the fly i don't think anybody can ever say they have all the answers um until maybe after the fact and and we apply those lessons learned and, and if we can apply them then we've actually learned them i think uh, so the, one of the challenges in going through this spring, and particularly with the pandemic, is what we were going to do from the social services side of things. You know, how are we going to accommodate people who typically we would evacuate people or something, and we might put them all in a bus and then take them to a reception center. But now that we couldn't put people within physical distancing and uh, in close contact with each other, how could we do that? And, uh, our emergency social services team, man, they jumped on the ball so quick, and and they just just the ability to be innovative and, and really think about things that were a little different and not get stuck in, in uh, I don't want to say the old ways of thinking, but maybe the same ways of thinking. And well, we can't do it because it doesn't fit this mold. Uh, they said, well, how do we make the mold fit what we have to deal with now? And they did a really good job. They came up with a, a revised plan within a week. It was quick. We were prepared and ready to go. Uh, and so then when we did start to see some flooding happening, we were worried about the potential of having to move some residents. We already had that, that new upgraded pandemic evacuation plan in place. Um, we didn't, we were fortunate enough that we didn't have to put it into action this year uh, for us in our municipality, but, but we were ready. So um, I hate to say we look forward to trying it out, but of course we certainly look forward to exercising it and seeing how it, uh, it applies in practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, it, it's good to hear that you had some of that foresight, even in the midst of a current, you know, emergency that you were responding to and kind of looking like, okay, so if another one happens, what are we going to do within the confines of what's happening now? So that's great that you were able to have, you know, even that lead time a little bit to to pivot, as they say, that's one of the key words around here. <laughs> there were a lot of pivots in 2020, and um, I think I think the the idea of keeping an open mind comes about when when everything was first announced. Uh, we came in and we sat down as a team, and and we said our pandemic plan that we have says, what if all of our employees get sick? But what happens if nobody's sick but they can't come to work? Mm -hmm. um, and so we actually we were we were a few days ahead on on trying to figure out what we would do as as an employer if our employees couldn't come to work. And then when the school closures happened uh, in mid March and, and on Monday morning, nobody could could send their kids to school. Um, I would you know we certainly didn't have it in play on that Monday morning, but by Tuesday at noon, we had every one of our employees that needed to work remotely able to work remotely. Mm -hmm. and, and we've continued that actually throughout. So, so just, I think the idea of walking in as a team and saying, what could bite us? Uh, and let's be prepared for those things. So again, not, not just looking at the plan and saying the plan says this, it was what's the plan missing and what are the gaps? Yeah. Um, you know, it worked out fortunately for us. I thought we were able to support our people well through this. And, and I think they feel the same way. They feel the same way too. Awesome. Dave, what do you think the most critical factor um, is in effective emergency management um, or emergency management communications? Well, I think I, I'm kind of alluding to it a little bit uh, where I said trying to come up with the gap analysis. But for me, and this is a personal thing, of course, it's thinking outside the box. 
and, and then collaborating. And um, I was fortunate enough, I was sitting in an incident commander's, an ICS incident commander course uh, up at Nate a couple years ago. And one of, the, one of the fellows in the course who's been a fire chief for 30 plus years said, our old way of doing it was we did it all by ourselves. We didn't ask for help. And we had to have all the knowledge and our team had to be able to do it. And he said, this new young generation, these new people coming through the system, you guys all work together and you collaborate and, and you're not scared to ask for help. And it's supported that way. And he said, I'm just so excited about the way this is looking. And, uh, I really took that to heart because we need to learn those lessons from, from the people who've been through it. Um, and so for me, yeah, we're, it takes a village. And so for us to be able to bounce ideas off of each other, off of our partners, and then when somebody comes up with a newer, what might maybe would say a crazy idea, uh, for somebody to say, well, like, yeah, let's litmus test, litmus test this thing and see if, if, uh, if this idea has merit as opposed to just discounting it because it's, it's new, it's outside the box. Mm -hmm. and, you know, for me personally, maybe outside the box comes, I come to emergency management fairly unconventionally. My, my schooling and my background, I'm actually a civil engineer by profession and, and spent the first part of my career uh, designing and building infrastructure throughout Alberta. So um, then getting into emergency response and emergency management brings me in with a little bit different mindset than, than some of the people that have been in that their whole career anyway. So it, it allows me to think outside the box because I come from outside of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you sort of uh, started answering my next question. I, I wanted to ask you, um, what are some of the ways that you actively cultivate a culture of, you know, thinking outside the box? Because sometimes that's, um, you know, what a team wants to do, but it's not necessarily facilitated or promoted within the culture that they're in in their organization. So what are some ways that you do that with your team? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's the, the essential challenge that we all try and solve. Um, for me, how I try and do it is, is I tell my team they have the right to respectfully disagree with me at any point in time. Uh, chain of command and unity of command are, are ICS principles. We follow them in emergency management. They're important. But you have to also realize that you don't have all the answers. That's why we have a good team. And so when it's the team needs to feel safe and trusted to be able to throw things out there and not be mocked or not be derided or not be ignored. And when they throw it out there and you can say, that's a great idea. Let's pursue it. Let's figure it out. Um, you can follow it all the way down the rabbit hole, get to the, the nitty gritty details and find out that it actually doesn't work, but at least you tried and that makes people feel empowered. And, and I think when you empower those people and you make them feel safe and, and it's a trusted environment where then you all learn and you can collaborate that much more openly and so that's I think that's what's worked for for me personally anyway and for us and um, I always smile when when one of my staff members or, or somebody in uh, our ECC or in our command post says I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that because I now know we're going to have a really good thought-provoking conversation mm -hmm. um, and ultimately somebody will have to make the decision at the end of the day there has to be a decision made but but at least we can now weigh the, the merits and the pros and cons based on on their input which is which is super valuable because we are a team yeah for sure for sure and hopefully this most of that testing is being done in an exercise environment versus <laughs> real time but i mean sometimes you don't really have that that option <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's difficult 
I, I think any of us would be naive to think that we could plan for every eventuality uh, or every scenario that we go through. So there's always a curveball that comes at you on an incident. But but to have thought about a lot of the major things in advance, and even just to understand, to know what we don't know, um, to go back and quote, um, you know, from, from that very famous American who, who said with, with known unknowns and known unknowns, to know what we don't know is just as important as knowing what we know. Um, because at least then we can go in and say, we have no clue what we're dealing with here. We'll deal with it when we get there, but at least you're prepared to deal with it that way. Yeah, 100%. And that you're aware of what you don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we're, we're actively looking for the answers, but right now we don't have them. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I don't know is, is an acceptable answer. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer I don't know, but I'll do everything I can to find out. Yeah. And, and, it, and the team then has the, the power too to, to chase that to the ends of the earth, so to speak. <laughs> and, and get those answers and, and find out sometimes it's not the answer you want but it is the answer and now you know and you're like okay now we can deal with this yeah 100 percent. what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced um as the director of emergency management um all of them uh, <laughs> the, the, you know the, the reality is it's it's such a dynamic environment um, we're extremely fortunate and, and I had predecessors before me and, and a lot of places have who, who did amazing groundwork and laid a, a tremendous foundation, laid all the tracks, so to speak. And so, so the team was all going together in the right direction. And then it's, it's about moving us forward into an, in essence, what's 2020. Um, we looked at, we look at, did we have technology in place to do things? Um, and a lot of places maybe didn't because they had the old way of doing paper forms or whatever. And, and just being prepared and having that moving forward makes things so much more efficient. But you can't do it unless you had all that groundwork laid before you. So um, I think the challenges always exist, of course, with, with public perception of how you're handling an incident or how an incident's playing out communication uh of course it's the tenant but it's so difficult and we often think of communication as as from the external to to us and then from us to the external but what we that internal communication piece is so critical making sure that everybody's in the loop um that that people are free to share what information they might feel is critical uh when they need to share it and and then providing the avenue to do that. And so, so 2020 was a very interesting thing because we had to do, we had to run our uh, emergency coordination center virtually. And um, it started off and we thought, oh man, how is this going to work? And we got into it and it got into a rhythm really, really quickly and smoothly because of the, some of the tech that we had in place and the people, the people were already willing to accept the tech. And so so that was that's definitely the biggest, most recent challenge we've had is is how we've rolled tech into what was conventionally a fairly analog system. Um, but then also not forgetting that we need to be able to do the analog in case the tech fails. Mm-hmm. So you need to have those those prime first principles, if you will. Yeah. So could you, could, could you elaborate a little bit more on how you made the virtual center? work and you can get as specific as like the name of the tech that you used or whatever just to give 
the audience a better idea of how that might play out if they wanted to even exercise in that world. Well, yeah, I'd be pretty hypocritical if I was if I was saying collaboration is important to me and then I wasn't telling people what we do. <laughs> so, um, you know, we were really fortunate. We started off really quickly as, as we're doing right now. We're meeting with Zoom and that's, you know, that's just one technology platform. It was quick. It was easy to access. And a lot of us had familiarity with it from before because we'd maybe done virtual meetings across the country or with colleagues in other geographic areas. So that was our very first way of, of meeting virtually. And then we said, okay, how are we going to document all this? And, and it was very fortunate with our incident management team uh, that we have regionally that the province of Alberta is supporting the development of. Um, we, were, we came across a, a Google Forms uh, incident action plan document. And so one of, our, one of our IMT members converted that from the American um, information that it was, converted it to a Canadian version and shared it with us. And so we actually were able to implement that. So our entire team was able to real-time collaborate inside our incident action plan. And we could pull it up on the screen during our meetings. We could make the edits on the fly. Everybody could see it. Uh, and it turned out to be an amazing piece of technology because at the end of the day, uh, we could send it out for electronic signatures. Everybody signed the document electronically. We then were able to distribute it to all of our members. In this case, it was our, you know, our staff members as we were in a pandemic response. Uh, but we could, you know, create QR codes or, or website links and put a PDF up there and anybody could download the incident action plan that had access to it. So that was, that was, uh, that was a way that made it just extremely efficient to get through the entire incident management process. And now, uh, one thing we have organizationally, and I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it, we're a, we're a Microsoft organization, some are Google organizations, but uh, Microsoft Teams has really stepped up their their software and their collaboration framework. And so file sharing um, and the ability to communicate real time, just chat messaging um, that worked well. We actually set that up for our entire central region in Alberta. So we have 55 members uh, throughout the region who actually are in a Microsoft teams channel. And so we, we could bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, a dem from from Stetler could could post in the, the chat and say, hey, what's anybody doing with this issue? And you could have 50 some odd other people respond and say, this is what we're doing. And so that, that group collaboration was really, really easy to obtain that way. That's amazing. Wow, thank you. Um, so yeah, you kind of, again, started answering my, my next question, just in terms of, you know, you had mentioned collaboration being a major component of, of this. Um, I was wondering if you could dive in a little bit deeper about some of the ways that you uh, facilitate collaboration and or, um, you know, any maybe even roadblocks or challenges that you have found with collaboration and how you've overcome them. The, I, can, I can safely say the biggest challenge that anybody's ever going to face uh, with collaboration is a three-letter word and it's ego. Um, and so uh, in order to have true collaboration, people have to park their egos at the door, uh, which is tough. Uh, we all struggle with it from time to time and our egos will bite us. Uh, why wasn't I included on that? And then it's like, well, did I even need to be? Um, is something that comes, it's something we all fight with. But I think it, when, when you can get people who are truly interested in collaborating and they can park their ego at the door and they can be, they can be shown the value of their input, and then the value of the collaboration of a team, 
I think that's how you start to achieve it. Uh, we're nowhere near utopia. That's, that's for sure. But um, in our region, we're extremely fortunate. And I, I want to talk regionally uh, just because we've got such an amazing emergency management team in our region. And I know there's other regions who have those same relationships. Uh, I consider myself extremely fortunate to have the colleagues around me that I do because we just pick up the phone, we bounce ideas off each other, we do Zoom or WebEx meetings or whatever. And and we had our MS Teams channel throughout where we were able to bounce ideas back and forth. And uh, prior to COVID, a lot of the times it was, we just get together and go for coffee. And, and those informal coffee chats, you can't, I mean, maybe we can do coffee now still, it's just we're sitting in separate locations, but you can't underestimate the value of some of those informal communications channels in terms of collaboration. And so you build those relationships. We talk about it all the time in emergency management. The relationships are built before the incident, but you build those relationships. You continue to foster those relationships. And, and if, if everybody's pushing forward in the right direction, it works. It's, it's really funny because I have a book in front of me um, and it's, it's one of my, my favorite quotes from, and it's from Marcus Aurelius so he was a he was a Roman emperor, a Stoic philosopher, and he says all you need are these: certainty of judgment in the present moment, action for the common good in the present moment, and an attitude of gratitude in the present moment for anything that comes your way. And and I really think action for the common good. If if everybody can say we're doing this for the public or for the people we represent, then then it, it's really easy to put your ego aside. Um, if you think about that common good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. If there was one piece of advice that you could give somebody coming in to emergency management, what would that be? Be open-minded. Um, be flexible. Be willing to learn. Uh, be willing understand that none of us have all the answers and you can you can glean so many things from so many different people if you have a a strong base and a strong foundation or a a broad background of experience or or people you can learn from it's going to make you so much better because you'll have a a diversity of perspectives and so i think yeah if you can come in open-minded and be willing to learn from from the salty, the salty old people who are gruff and, and uh, <laughs> there's you know, salty young people too. <laughs> you know, there's salty young people exactly, and or or the or the young know-it-alls or the been there, done that types. Um, you glean the good piece you can from everybody and apply that with your own lens. Um, and I think with a with a broad diversity of perspective, you become so much greater for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you, Dave. Is there a way um, that people can connect with you if they wanted to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. There is. Um, I probably share my information too freely when I, when I present and talk about these things, but I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I've taken a Twitter hiatus over the last few years just because it, it got me out of, uh, out of personal things that way. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to focus and spend my time scrolling through Twitter all the time, but, but LinkedIn's definitely the best way. And my, and my contact information exists as well uh, for the regional incident management team. So we do have a a 24 hour contact number that people can reach out to us at. And, and uh, I'm 
perfectly comfortable if you wanted to share my contact information that you have in terms of email or, or phone number. Okay, uh, perfect. Yeah. So I think, I think probably the best way is for them to reach out to you on LinkedIn and it's just Dave brand is how you have it on LinkedIn. You bet. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, I really appreciate your time and the energy that you put into this and, and the effort that you put into preparedness and um, making, you know, this whole industry better just for you being in it. So thank you. Oh yeah. Thank, thank you for having me because I think this is, this is how we get to share these ideas with others, hopefully. And, and if two people listen to this and one person takes something away from it, then we still succeeded. So. 100%. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's prep podcast. Look out for our bi-weekly episodes with a new guest each week. This podcast is brought to you by the Crisis Communications Institute. If you're looking to expand your crisis communication skills even further, consider registering for the Crisis Communication Institute's new Emergency Management Certification Program, available online now. Learn more at the Crisis Communications Institute.org and remember preparedness saves lives.